This is Works in Progress, a podcast of the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture. I'm Avishai Artsy. By now, you've likely heard of NFTs, or non-fungible tokens. These are used to sell anything digital. It could be a video, a JPEG, or a meme. An NFT was used to sell a GIF of Nyan Cat, the animated flying cat with a Pop-Tart body, for $580,000. Paris Hilton's debut NFT collection sold for over $1.1 million. Lindsay Lohan and Mark Cuban have released NFTs as well. NBA Top Shot sells moments, virtual basketball plays, that get bought and sold like trading cards. They've sold hundreds of millions of dollars worth of them. I think before we talk about an NFT, I think we need to talk about a blockchain really, really quickly. Okay. Because an NFT is something on top of, the, of a blockchain. This is Casey Rias. He's a visual artist and a professor of design media arts at UCLA. A blockchain is a, one way to think about it is like a, a public ledger. You can see who owns what, and it's something that is public. Everybody can see it. And people believe that it's something that's tamper-proof, that it's always accurate, like it can't be changed, it can't be modified. And so that's the belief with blockchains. And so an NFT is something that is a unique thing that is registered in the blockchain. So like if we think about currency, which is where blockchains originated with different um, cryptocurrencies, you know, if I have a dollar and you have a dollar, we can each swap the money and we each have the same thing. But an NFT is something that is unique. So for example, NFT is about collecting. And so like if I have a unique uh, collectible card, um, that is like a unique thing. There's only one of them in the world. And the NFT represents that I own that individual thing. And it's represented by a transaction on the blockchain. So is an NFT kind of like a receipt showing that you bought something? Yes, I think that's a good way to think about it. It, it is more than that. The thing that you have bought um, is hashed, which sort of a unique identifier is made for that. And so it is the hash of that media, that unique identifier, as well as the, the ownership that is packaged together in the NFT. So NFTs can be used to buy and sell lots of things, including digital art. That's important because digital artists have long struggled with selling works that can be infinitely reproducible. You can make as many copies of a file as you'd like. An NFT is a certificate of authenticity, so you can actually prove ownership of that digital asset. NFTs have opened up a whole new world for digital artists. I will post my work and I will sell it with the encryption of an NFT for the rest of my life. This is Nate Moeller. He received a bachelor's degree from UCLA in design media arts in 2019. He began selling his artwork as NFTs in January. He posted a series of looping videos called Painted Cities on the digital art marketplace Super Rare. The series uses machine learning and artificial intelligence to turn video that Moeller shot of various cities into swirling watercolor-like paintings. He released 12 of them and 9 have sold. This has solved a problem that media historians have been trying to figure out for years, for generations. I mean, since Tumblr, when, when people were making GIFs and, and this kind of culture, and which wasn't widely accepted in the art community. I mean, finally, there is both a popular consensus that this kind of digital work, video art, is art and has value and can be resold just like a painting. 
And I think that is the problem that is solved that I think will last beyond this bubble. What I do think will not last through the bubble are, are these kind of um, things that feel a little cash grabby, um, you know, uh, uh, super large editions of work um, and where there's like a thousand of them that are revealed. And then there's not much of a concept behind the piece or maybe the, the musician is a celebrity or it's Paris Hilton or something. You know, I think that happens in every art medium that comes up. There's always people that see a new art thing come up and they and they take advantage of it. And it's kind of like you can't um, you can't fall into the the tortures of envy and and um, you know seeing other people have these sales. It's, it's just terrible for for your mental health. And it's part of being an artist is seeing the world kind of evolve. But for me, the ability to do an installation and a project. Minted as an NFT, which certifies it as a piece that that holds intrinsic value, that's like such an interesting game-changing thing, and and I think we can critique it and and kind of um, yell at it as much as we can. But those of us who have been trying to figure this out for a long time are, I think, we're looking at it with a really interesting eye and saying, hmm, like this is something that could really be beneficial. Muller has listed most of his pieces for about $1,000, but he's seeing them resold for much more. Like one of my pieces is listed for 20 grand. And I kind of was thinking, I was like, wow, this collector just listed a piece for 20 times as much as I would even list it for. So it's interesting. I like look at their, I look at them doing this and I'm kind of like, okay, will this ever, will someone ever buy this? And sure enough, a couple of weeks ago, someone bought, um, this piece I had of the London Bridge for ten grand from someone else who bought it. So they bought it from me for like a thousand dollars, and then they listed it for ten grand, and someone bought it for ten grand. And so I was like, "Oh my god!" And one of the wow. crazy things too is that NFTs actually have a royalty system built in. So anytime a piece sells for more, I get ten or fifteen percent royalty back. So when he bought my piece for a thousand, I got a thousand dollars, and then he upsold it for another for ten grand. I actually got a thousand again because I got ten percent of that um, secondary sale. Moeller is seeing some of his artist friends sell NFTs after work dried up creating concert visuals. The live music industry ground to a halt with the COVID nineteen pandemic. Unlike work for commercial clients or for Hollywood, music offered a degree of creative freedom, which those artists are now finding from selling NFTs. That's been the experience of Adam Ferris. He received a Master of Fine Arts degree in Design Media Arts from UCLA in 2016. Ferris has sold three NFTs, part of a series of generative videos called Psycho Lichen. Well, it's pretty freeing, I mean, in some regards, as long as you can keep um, selling things because you're no longer beholden to, you know, like a freelance client. Like I, I did a lot of work for the New York times, for instance, and, um, you know, you don't really have any control over when they come to you asking for work. And also the, the work is much more strenuous than, you know, making artwork for yourself. You know, you're not beholden to any art director or, um, any specific topic. You can just sort of follow your own artistic whims and, yeah, it's really freeing to be able to actually make money making artwork. Ferris says NFTs have also reconnected him with artists he hasn't talked to in years. One interesting thing um, is that I think a lot of the work that's been resurfacing is work that was circulating on Tumblr like 10 to 5 years ago. 
And so there's been a resurgence of all this work kind of coming up, appearing again from these blogs that have been dead for years. Um, and it's really been nice to connect with that community. That was a community I was a part of. And it's been nice to connect with them again and meet all these people that were making work because they um, are compelled to do so. So why have NFTs taken off in the past year? For starters, the pandemic has forced many creative workers to seek new sources of income. The shutdown of travel, leisure, and live entertainment industries has left many others with a disposable income they can gamble with. The increased use of social media in place of real-life social interactions, especially on the audio-only Silicon Valley-centric app Clubhouse, has also fueled the hype around NFTs. Back to Nate Moeller. Clubhouse was a crazy snowball for for NFTs, where it just kept getting bigger and bigger. I, I personally met tons of people on Clubhouse. I don't think I would have sold my first pieces without Clubhouse. For the ability to have a platform to talk and, and, and share information, and, and especially as NFTs was growing, people are, you know, want to want to explore more and hear about this. And, you know, I'm not even that big on Clubhouse. I, there's people that really like are much more social than me and, and have more time in the day and like are on Clubhouse 24 seven and they kind of <laughs> self made themselves authority figures. And so there's now like these groups that get up to like 4,000 people that promote other people's work. And now there's celebrities coming in. And so the celebrity attention then brings more attention to NFTs. And so there's this interesting, <laughs> crazy like turmoil that is all happens on Clubhouse and on Twitter that I think really fueled NFTs. And I don't think NFTs would be as popular without Clubhouse, honestly. Established and emerging digital artists are cashing in. But the financial opportunities are not being felt equally. Back to Casey Rias. A lot of friends of mine are making substantial money off of NFTs. And actually, that's one thing that really disturbs me about NFTs, not the artist making money part, but the fact that the prices have accelerated so much that we're back in a situation where there's a lot of um, disparity between, you know, one artist may make a few thousand dollars or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars and other artists are making zero. Um, and that's, I think a lot of the problems of the art market are amplified through the NFT space. And I think that was one thing that NF I was hoping NFTs would allow to, to fix. We would kind of equalize things more, but I think it really is an attention economy. The artists who have a million plus followers on Instagram are the artists who are really selling NFTs for high value right now. And that has nothing to do with the quality of the work. That's very much just about attention. But my intuition about the NFTs is that it had a boom. It's, it's sort of busted a little bit. It may bust more, but I, I, I think it's going to be around for a very long time. Rias co-founded the NFT marketplace Feral File and curated a show of web-based work by international artists in March called Social Codes. The pieces were released in editions of 75 for $75 each. They sold out almost immediately. Everything on Feral File is a group exhibition that is initiated by a curator. So we're commissioning curators who are then inviting the artist and the curators have complete autonomy over their exhibitions, what vision they have what artists, what work, what message they feel is most important at the moment. And then if people want to, they can collect the work. And when they collect the work, they are granted a, a set of rights that they have around the work. So like the artist retains all copyright, all um, image reproduction rights as they do in traditional art. 
but then the collectors have the ability to like download the original files and to display those files. And one major difference with Feral File is that we're very clear about what those rights are, that the rights the artist retains and the collector is granted from the artist. Another thing that's really important for me about Feral File is that in these group exhibitions, we're getting artists together. They are meeting each other, sort of forming relationships with each other, and they're all trading and swapping work too. So we're only working with large editions on Feral File, and all the artists um, are trading editions of their own work. So if there's 10 artists in the show, each artist will have one of those works from the other artists. And then the remaining editions are available for other people to collect. And in your first exhibition that launched in March, I saw that you had really kind of a wide geographic representation of artists. I mean, I'm seeing artists here from, well, LA and New York, but then also Shanghai, Amsterdam, Buenos Aires, Dublin, Barcelona, Bruges, Vienna. I mean, really all over the world. And is that something intentional? Or are you trying to create kind of the widest possible geographic array of artists? Or is that did that just happen that way? No, it's just completely intentional. And I think there is such a beauty in like a local gallery. There's so many galleries in Los Angeles. Um, and for me, what's, what, what's most exciting is artist-run spaces in Los Angeles. But I think there's another beautiful kind of space, which is one that is completely rooted around the internet and is completely global. And because my life and my communities for the last 20 years have been on the internet, it's, that's the natural thing for me to do in creating a show is to is to have that global international perspective. Another major difference between Feral File and larger NFT marketplaces like Super Rare or Nifty Gateway is that the largest marketplaces run on blockchains like Bitcoin and Ethereum, while Feral File uses a blockchain called Bitmark. The difference is the amount of energy each uses to generate new blockchains. That amount of energy means buying and selling NFTs can have huge carbon footprints, as Casey Rias explains. I mean, I have a lot of conversations with people who are, or who are like um, sure that they're right um, on both sides of that, that, that blockchains are an ecological evil and that on the other side that blockchains use primarily renewable resources and energy, so they're okay. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, but there's also different kinds of blockchains. And the kind of blockchain that is an ecological disaster is called a proof-of-work blockchain. And basically just an extreme amount of computation and calculation needs to happen in order to securely write those blocks onto the chain. And it is that, that calculation which is pulling so much energy through so much computer use. And that, that is really upsetting and really disturbing for me. And then there's other kinds of blockchains that are called proof of stake blockchains that don't really use more energy than other things that we do all the time, like a credit card transaction or a tweet or something like that. And so some communities of artists are rallying around proof of stake blockchains. Like Ethereum is, has said they're committed to moving over to proof of stake therefore becoming better environmentally. But they've been saying that a long time and, I, and not everybody's sure that they're actually going to follow through with that. But again, you can hear people with a lot of different opinions about that. So the Bitmark blockchain is a proof of work blockchain, but it is minuscule in comparison. And because it's so much smaller relative to other proof of work blockchains, it has a much smaller uh, footprint for carbon. 
So it's, it's been estimated to be about a millionth of the impact of the Bitcoin blockchain. I mean, it still is a lot of energy use, but it's a very different kind of use. Do you feel like NFTs are generating um, a sense of community among digital artists that wasn't there before? <laughs> it's, it's actually, it is for some artists, but I think overall it has caused an infighting among artists that I've never seen in the 20 years that I've, you know, been in these um, communities around the media arts. Um, people taking positions, um, people shaming other people for engaging with NFTs at all. Um, people have really taken sides on this in a way that I've never seen. And there's been a kind of like critique and anger that I've never seen before. Are you seeing artists just refuse to get involved with NFTs? So many artists are just refusing. Yes. Mm hmm. Uh, because of the environmental issues or they just see it as selling out or what is it? I think it's largely those two issues. It's the um, libertarian politics. Um, people often call them a pyramid scheme, um, but then also the environmental impacts. So for those two reasons, and not only are people choosing to not participate, they are also attacking people who do participate. That's the difference. That's the thing that has changed in the last few months that I've not really seen before. I mean, you also teach in the Department of Design Media Arts. You have um, current students and alumni who are engaging in NFTs. What are you seeing among your students? And like, are you encouraging them to get involved in this or discouraging them? One reason that I am engaging in this space really actively is because there, for 20 years, I've been working with pure digital media and there just hasn't been a way for artists to support themselves with it. A lot of time the work is put on the internet through like a video site like Vimeo or through Instagram or Tumblr. And that work is, is seen by a lot of people. Um, people become real fans of the artists, but there hasn't been a way for that to support the artists in making that work. And this is something that I've really noticed with my students over the years that these students are dedicated artists, they're very good artists, but the work they're doing has nothing to do with what goes on in art galleries because they're making these digital media files that are meant to live on the internet. They're meant to live in that environment, not, not in a brick and mortar space. And so one of my major motivations for engaging in this way with blockchains has been to create a, a way for people to collect that work and to support those artists. And so I've been engaged with this for years. The environmental impact, the, you know, these really charged issues that we've been talking about is something that really has only been in our, in our awareness for a few months. And so there are alternatives. There is a, for example, a new community, a new platform called Hick et Nunc, which is the Latin for here and now, which is based on a um, proof of stake blockchain and cryptocurrency called Tezos. And I would have no reservations about um, encouraging my students to explore there. I think it's a, right now a really dynamic sort of artist-led community. So I think this space is gonna evolve very quickly. And I think that is what's really exciting about it is the speed at which it's evolving and the opportunity and the potential for artists who've never had a, a place within more traditional gallery market to be able to support themselves through their work.
One of Reyes's former students, Rafik Anadol, has become a leader in the use of artificial intelligence to make digital art. He received his MFA in Design Media Arts at UCLA in 2014 and is now a visiting assistant researcher. His color-filled projections and installations are made using massive data sets. Anadol released his first set of NFTs back in November. The five-piece collection is called Machine Hallucinations. They show composite images produced by analyzing more than 100,000 photographs of all the Renaissance sculptures created between 1300 and 1600 AD. They all were listed at $1,000 each. One of them is currently reselling for more than half a million dollars. So honestly, this NFT journey so far is extremely big value for our studio. I'm not alone. I'm a studio. I'm working with 14 people. Uh, can speak 14 language and represents 10 language and half of our today's UCLA alumni. So eventually in our studio, we have an ecosystem, financial ecosystem. And of course, NFTs is an ecosystem that supports our culture and our ecosystem. So it's, it's fundamentally uh, inspiring to get funding to our studio through the art we do. So that's something extremely valuable. But from a practical point of view, I think my art valued much more than the physical world. And, and I've never been connected with the collectors in my life like this before. Um, I've been engaged with many, many collectors one-on-one. So there are so many different positive aspects of it that I wasn't aware while I was practicing with Gallery World. So shortly, the value is really there. The methods are still getting discussed, but like any new technology has cons and pros. Um, so it just needs to be explored and asked questions and discussed. But it sounds like what you're saying that um, the value of your art that's sold as NFTs, as that goes up, it may also drive up the value and demand for your art that's not NFTs. Correct. That's very correct. And it's exactly happening at the moment. Anadol acknowledges the carbon footprint of NFTs, but he thinks the issue will be resolved fairly soon. He released his Machine Hallucinations series on Nifty Gateway, which relies on proof-of-work blockchain. And eventually, you may not have the most expensive uh, solutions. You may not have the most value you are expecting from your collectors. But the community is like rising at the moment. So um, it's just a subculture. It's a cyberpunk. It's like a new movement. And it's like in any culture, it has options. People can look for which platform is less uh, harmful for nature or their reactions they're all open and searchable so i personally donate my piece uh, last month because of this problem and there are like people want to do carbon offsets to be at least do something at least be aware of it and like uh, me people and many other artists donate their pieces and i donate my piece for three hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars to an organization at yale university called open earth foundation a nonprofit researching the impact of technological platforms. So that was, a, that, that was my, you know, uh, the best I can do. I donate my piece of research and be aware of the problem and make it visible. Would you consider switching to a different marketplace that uses uh, proof of uh, stake instead of yes, proof of Yes, I'm experimenting with many platforms at the moment. Literally, I'm just trying, experimenting, seeing reactions, understanding the community, I mean, fail again, fail better months mindset. No idea which one will be the winner, but I'm just doing my best to learn. 
Besides being a working artist, you also teach at UCLA in the yes. uh, Department of Design Media Arts. I wonder if you've had conversations with students about NFTs and if you think this is good for younger emerging artists, you know, who don't have an established reputation in the art world, will this be good for them? A beautiful question. Actually, my last class, spring class, specifically asked for this. Specifically, they demand what's going on. And I openly share pros and cons. Uh, every single article I know has a value uh, from any perspective I share with them. And they even minted their pieces in OpenSea, actually. We were thinking of NFT exhibition. And they love it. And, and they try it themselves. And I show them how it works. And they carefully mint their pieces and explore the process. Um, and it was beautiful. It was very, I, I, I think it was a very controlled action. The only thing that they didn't, of course, enjoy is, of course, how to, like, you know, uh, share their work. I mean, who, who knows who they are? Um, because unfortunately, the NFT universe requires a significant social media activities to be able to know by the communities. And if you're not used to that, you may feel alone and not recognize again, like in the physical world. So that's the kind of a downside of the you know, communication aspect. But if you can communicate, of course, um, through social media, um, their work also hurts. And I saw a couple of them even get some biddings. So that's working. But as a person practicing in NFT space, I think it's everyone's individual selection choice. I don't feel it's appropriate to push or ask for unless the creator wants to explore it. Um, I prefer in this stage, everyone should do their own decision and feel connected or not, and then decide if it's something they can practice or not. NFTs have also caught the attention of early adopters of computer-based digital art, such as Rebecca Allen. She's a research professor and the founding chair of the Department of Design Media Arts at UCLA. She was invited by a new NFT venture called Canon to be part of an NFT art collection, K21, with works by 21 artists. So because they want to push this aspect of the digital art history, they, they were particularly interested in one of my older works. And it's a short video. It's about six seconds long. It's titled The Swimmer, The Swimmer on Black. It's, it's actually using a 3D model of a female that was created by Ed Catmull, who went on to found Pixar and was president of Pixar and Disney Animation. But in 1972, he created the first female body in 3D computer graphics model of a body. And then in 1980, 81, I took that 3D model and wanted to bring it to life. And through software that we were all developing and trying to figure out, I made her move and I created this swimming movement. How interesting and maybe a little strange for you to be resurfacing a piece that's 40 years old this year and now selling it as an NFT. Yeah, I mean, that's it just as I've talked to people in the arts world over the years now, I see that there's this new awareness of digital art and an awareness that maybe there was even a history of this. Maybe it wasn't all invented a few years ago. And I love that because Frankly, what so many people in the art world have told me, and I knew too, I was just doing this kind of work too early. 
way too early. People just didn't know what it was or why it would be important. And now it's only now 40 years later that people are starting to understand what it was and what it meant to create it and how long ago that was. Um, so it's great to see that kind of recognition. And I was happy that they, they were looking at this historical work because why not start from way back then? So are NFTs a bubble? It's difficult to speculate. The fine art world has seen rising auction sales for decades, and the stock market has seen record gains as well. Many predict that once the dust settles, newcomers who are rushing in and grabbing money with celebrity partnerships and endorsements will leave, and serious artists and collectors will remain. This has been Works in Progress, a podcast from the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture. I'm Avishai Artsy. Be well and talk to you soon.